Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Healed by His Stripes. Healed by His Stripes is your weekly podcast on divine healing dedicated to examining God's truth on the subject of divine healing and encouraging us to receive the seed of God's word in our heart concerning divine healing and to see the fruit of it break out in every area of our lives, spirit, soul, and body. Because God's will for you is to be healed, is to be well, is to be full of life, is to live the full length of your long, prosperous life here on earth, serving his will, enjoying his blessings, when you are fully satisfied and done, go to be with God in glory or better still, see the appearing of the Lord Jesus and be transformed in an instant. God has amazing plan for our lives and he has provided for it. He has paid for it. So this podcast is dedicated to digging deep into the word of God and receiving the seed of divine healing in our hearts so that we become God's planted trees of righteousness whose leaves, speaking about our health, whose leaves never wither. God wants us young, strong for the longest time. Hallelujah. I'm Pastor Tunde Udoma and I want to invite you to subscribe to this channel and make it a habit to check this channel every week for a fresh, inspired, anointed word on divine healing. All right, let's get into it. Before we do, last episode, we talked about something very important, and I wanted to invite you to check it out. We talked about why we need divine healing. We need divine healing because, number one, the disobedience of Adam brought something into the world, something into God's creation called sin and death. Sin is the nature of the devil, is a nature that is contrary to God's will and does not desire to submit to God. And that nature is opposed to everything that is good, all right, is a nature of destruction. Jesus reveals that nature in John's Gospel, chapter 10, verse 10, when he said, The thief cometh not but to kill, to steal, and to destroy. So that's the nature of sin. So sin entered into man's God's creation, true man, and death. All human suffering in every form, in every shape you can imagine, is a result of sin. So the whole of God's creation became subject to death because of Adam's disobedience. The laws of nature as we know them are no longer perfect because when Adam sinned, those laws were came under the corruption of death. So sin, sin consciousness, which is condemnation, continued to perpetrate death in man and that is why when we realize that this is the condition under which the earth naturally speaking um, exists then we see that we need god's divine intervention to thrive and live above those conditions so at one point or the other we're all going to need 
divine healing because we live in a world that has been corrupted by sin and death and sin consciousness is so common. Everybody knows intuitively that we have sinned and somewhat deserving of judgment and people are constantly expecting judgment. You find that people keep saying, oh, oh, you're this age then, you know, you just start going down the hill. Why? Because we know, you know, naturally that the wages of sin is death. We just expect certain of favorable events to begin to unravel in our lives, in our health at certain ages. But that's just a natural law. God has a maintenance policy to keep us strong, young, to do his will on the earth, to enjoy his blessings. And that's what we want to talk about today. Today, we're talking about divine healing as God's maintenance policy. Divine healing as God's maintenance policy. Or I could say divine healing as God's maintenance policy for our health. And our health here includes every part of our spirit, soul, and body, whether it's our mental health, whether it's our physical health, God wants us well. We find in scriptures, even after the scene of Adam, God in dealing with man has always showed up to mercifully and graciously heal people. We find Abraham praying for Abimelech, praying for his household, and they were healed. The Bible records that. And that was the first account of healing in the scriptures. God's covenant people in the Old Testament, the nation of Israel, God had to make a promise of divine healing to them. In Exodus chapter 23, if we read from verse 24 to 26, Exodus 23 from verse 24, it says, and thou shalt not bow down to their gods. No, so this was a time when God was taking the children of Israel from one foreign land through another foreign land in a bit to lead them to the promised land. And it was warning them that they will come into certain strange places and he did not want them to bow down to their gods there because he is the God of Israel and he wanted them to obey the terms of the covenant. Don't forget, at this time, they had agreed to the um, to the covenant of law, the Ten Commandments, and the, the very first three um, covenants, first three covenants speaks of their devotion and dedication to God alone. So God was saying to them there, thou shalt not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do not do after their works, but thou shalt utterly overthrow them and break down their images. Verse 25, and ye shall serve the Lord your God, and ye shall bless, and he shall bless thy bread and thy water, and I will take sickness away from the midst of thee. So we see God putting in this maintenance policy for their body. I will take sickness away from thee. There shall nothing cast their young, nor be barren in thy land. The number of your days I will fulfill. So God is committing himself here 
to the nation of Israel as their healer. In fact, in Exodus 15, if you read from verse 23 to 26, the end of 26, God expressly states this, I am the Lord that healeth thee. Though sin was in the world, death was sponsored by sin was in the world, wrecking havoc, God committed himself to the nation of Israel as the God that heals them. He said he would not allow the diseases that he allowed to come upon the nation of Israel to come, I mean, the nation of Egypt to come upon them. Now, God didn't have anything against the nation of Egypt as a nation, but Egypt at that time was a type of the world. That's how, you know, the scripture uses typology, was a type of the world, just like Israel was a type of the church. So it was about covenant, okay? It was about a people in covenant with God and a people without covenant in, in God or, or people that were not in God's covenant. And if we understand anything about God, God is a covenant-keeping God. The moment Adam backed out of the covenant God wanted to have with him and did not fulfill his end by choosing to obey the word of God, humanity was, um, humanity was shut out of covenant dealing, all right? In fact, we could say man came in a sense in covenant with Satan, before redemption because satan had such a hold on man he was wielding the authority of man on the earth when we study the scripture in depth we understand that in the temptation in the desert he said something satan said something to jesus that revealed that when he asked him to bow before him and to worship him he said look all the kingdoms of the world the glory of it, I will give to you if you bow down and worship me, for they've been given to me. Who gave it to him? When Adam disobeyed God, he relinquished his authority and he submitted all of his God-given right and authority to the devil. And Satan reigned with that. That's why the Bible in Romans chapter 5 keeps using the language of reigning when it talks about sin and death reigning. All right? So, God made a covenant with Abraham, right? And because of Abraham's obedience, God was able to bring Jesus into the world. And that is why God had to begin with a group of people. He began with Abraham first, and through him, a nation was born. And because of the purpose God had to bring his son into the world, right, he kept dealing with Israel by covenant. He kept dealing with Israel by covenant as a type of the covenant people God wanted to raise. Now, there is a new covenant on the earth. That's the covenant between God the Father and Jesus Christ, God the Son, for the benefit of humanity. Okay, all right. Let me slow down there <laughs> because... It's getting to be heavy, but that's the truth because once we understand the covenant dealings of God, in fact, it becomes a sure ground for us to receive because God is a covenant-keeping God. If 
there is anything God cannot do, God cannot break his covenant. The Bible says concerning God, God himself speaking, he said, my words will I not break, neither will I utter the things that proceed out of my mouth. If God releases a word and says, I'm going to do this, it becomes bound by that word. That is what it means to say God is a covenant-keeping God. Why does God operate through covenant? God operates through through covenant to give man an assurance. So you would know that he would do exactly what he says he would do without fail. Then that becomes a sure ground for you and I to receive freely from God. And we're still going to consider healing on the platform of the covenant, but I'm speaking about it in a way, but we're still going to look at it in depth so that we can have this assurance that God will never back out of his promise to heal us. And God will never back out of his policy for divine healing. All right. So God said to the nation of Israel, I will not put the, um, rather, I will take away from your midst sickness and disease. So all through the old covenant, here and there, and pretty much in a lot of places, we find God showing up and healing individuals, healing the nation of Israel as a people. The Bible speaks of when the children of Israel became disobedient and um, the serpent came out and began to bite them. Uh, God gave Moses an instruction to take, uh, to carve a serpent, a brazen serpent, and put it on a pole and raise it up and put it right there and commanded them, as many as look upon that brazen serpent will be healed, right? That's also a type. You know, God allowed these things to happen to show in pictures what the spiritual condition was. The people were living under sin and death, and because of that, they were punished because they had agreed to the law that if they were able to keep it, they would be blessed. If they were not, they would be punished. And because they agreed to that covenant, which we can discuss some other time, arrogantly, because God didn't deal with Abraham that way, but they said, whatever God tells us, we can do. And that's the problem of people that think they can earn God's goodness. They can merit God's favor. They always end up with a bad deal because they put themselves at a disadvantage because God never wants to heal anyone because they merit it. God never wants to heal anyone because they worked for it. God just wants to heal people because he is the Lord that heals us. He is a gracious, loving God that wants to heal us. But once we begin to think we can earn his healing, then the problem begins. So because they thought they could earn God's goodness, I mean, God had been good to them, right? In Egypt, all the way out of Egypt in the wilderness. But now they make this boastful claim, whatsoever God tells us we can do. And at that moment, God changed his mind, said, you know what? Just step back and give them the law, right? And they began to struggle under that. They failed all the time and the punishment came. But right in the midst of that, God put that policy in place. 
using that language, you know, just for us to understand the provision, right, that God put in place under that covenant. So put the pole there, put a brazen serpent, God told Moses, and everyone that looks upon that will leave. And they looked and they lived. And later, when we come to John's gospel, we'll understand that God did that as a picture of how he is going to deal with the problem of sickness, weakness, disease, and untimely death. He was going to raise his own son on the tree or on the cross as a picture of our sins being punished and dealt with. The wrath of God poured upon this sacrifice Jesus on that tree who had become our sin because the serpent was supposed to be the sign of the devil and brass was supposed to be a type of the cause when the scripture says that the heavens will become brass. In other words, no blessing will come down, no rain will come down, no fruitfulness, no increase. So the brass in typology in scripture is a picture of the curse. So the serpent was carved out of the, the, the of brass, brazen serpent to typify sin and the curse and death. And that was what Jesus became for us on the cross. And as many as looked on him as a type in the wilderness, in the days of Moses, they were healed. And now in the new covenant, God, much more than just a policy, has given the church a guarantee that by the stripes of Jesus, we were healed, all right? So we're going to get into that in the future episodes. But what I'm trying to establish here is the fact that God has a maintenance policy for our body, for our, for our health, and that's divine healing. And we see that it didn't just start with the new covenant. God did this with his covenant people in the old covenant, starting with Abraham and the nation that came out of Abraham, according to God's word. And when the seed that God promised arrived, our Lord Jesus Christ, it was that seed was promised right there in the garden after the sin of man. God prophesied that, listen, the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. And that was what happened at the cross where Jesus, born of a virgin woman, a virgin Mary, the seed of the woman, defeated Satan in his death. And in his death because he bruised his heel, right? So God used the very weapon that Satan terrorizes humanity with, which is death, sin and death, and used that to destroy Satan, all right? So when Jesus the Son of God walked the face of the earth. He showed God's heart concerning divine healing. He revealed that, look, God's policy is to have your body healed. In um, Matthew chapter 8, let's go to Matthew 8 verse 17 and see what the scripture says. I'll just read just this um, portion of the scripture because... We, if we get into every single verse that 
account that gives an account of divine healing that's going to take hours and hours so matthew 8 from verse 16 reveals the heart of of god concerning healing matthew chapter 8 verse 16 and when even evening was come they brought unto him that's jesus many that were possessed with devils and he cast out the spirit with his word and healed all that were sick that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah, that's Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. So God had spoken this by Isaiah in prophecy that when Jesus comes, one of the things he would do is that he would take our infirmities and bear our sicknesses. And when Jesus came, before he went to the cross, he began to show God's policy for our health, that the work of redemption will have provision that maintains our health and maintains our well-being on the earth. And imagine Jesus did not heal a single person, but says to us after his resurrection that, oh yeah, by the way, because of my death, burial, and resurrection, you guys cannot have your bodies restored back to health from whatever kind of sickness, weakness, or disease that might be troubling it. That would be so unreal to us because we'll be like, oh, what is, it, what is it going to look like? How do we know when we receive it? Are we going to be sure? But for us to understand what God would do in every instance of weakness, sickness, disease, or death, or what God, uh, what is available in God, Jesus went about healing people. So he did this so that we can understand what his death, burial, and resurrection would accomplish. That's why if you believe that healing is passed away, that is a wrong belief. Because the only reason Jesus healed people before he went to the cross is to establish our hearts to receive healing after the cross. Because that was just the signs that these are the things you can believe for after the cross. Because Isaiah was speaking concerning his crucifixion. is a messianic chapter. So if Jesus healed people before he went to the cross, that is evidence that because he's gone to the cross, healing is now yours. So healing is much more than a promise or just some kind of policy, right? It is a guarantee for you and I who live under the covenant that is between the Father and the Son, the Father God and the and, and, and the Lord Jesus Christ, his son. The covenant between them guarantees healing for us. Hallelujah. And that's why in Acts of the Apostles, chapter 10, verse 38, the Bible says the same thing here. As it says in Matthew 8, it says, Our God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, so that we we would know that after his resurrection, healing is a part of the work of redemption. Now, we are building a foundation, and I want to encourage us to patiently follow it so that the questions in our hearts can be answered, because when there are many questions bothering our hearts, it becomes a bit difficult for us to receive freely. So we want to answer those questions so that we can have an open door in our hearts to receive divine healing. So 
What has God said to the church? What is God's healing guarantee to the church? If God said to the nation of Israel, I will take away sickness from the midst of thee. I will bless your food. I will bless your water. The number of your days I will fulfill. That sounds pretty good, right? And Israel enjoyed it. Well, they enjoyed it when they obeyed God. Okay? Well, they enjoyed it. Not just when they obeyed God because they had a hard time obeying God. And don't blame them. They are just a sample size of all of humanity. You know, sometimes we think, maybe if I was there, I would do better. Look, they are just a sample size of all humanity. Egypt is just a sample size of all humanity. So what, where our confidence lies is not to compare ourselves with Egypt as a type or with Israel as a type, but to come, to come under the new covenant that is in Christ Jesus. So James chapter 5 verse 14. Let's see what God has promised to the church. James chapter 5 verse 14. I'd like to read it so that we can see it. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Not Peter. James. One second. James chapter 5 verse 14. And now this is very remarkable. Let's start from verse 13. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any among is any sick among you? Hallelujah. Now this is to the church. This is to the church and it's just comforting. Is any sick among you? It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter if it's migraine, cancer, or whatever. It doesn't matter. Is any sick amongst you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. The word save there is heal the sick and the Lord shall raise him or her up. Right? So even if you are sick to the point where you are confined to the bed, to the wheelchair, it doesn't matter. The Lord, shall, the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him or her up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Meaning not even sin or your consciousness of that is going to stand in the way of God healing you. You know, and we're going to talk about sin and how the blood of Jesus has washed and cleansed us from all our sins and how we must not allow a sense of unworthiness stop us from receiving healing. But what I want to point out and emphasize here is that God gave the church this policy. Is any more, is any sick among you? Is any, any, any at all, any condition, whatever it is, let them just come to the elders of the church and let them pray for him. So it ought to be a very natural thing for people to just come into the church and say, I'd like to have prayer for divine healing. Now, we're going to talk about the many, many ways to receive divine healing. This is just one of it. In fact, the more you understand what Christ has done concerning your healing and you understand God's provision concerning your healing, the more you realize that you don't even 
have to go look for an elder to pray for your healing. But if that's where you are and you need someone to pray for your healing, there is that provision. God has made it available. But, you know, there also, there's a lot to that too. There have to be people that believe, not people that are going to say, well, your sins, because of your sins, you can't receive. Because clearly the scripture says, even if they've sinned, it's not going to stop them. They will be healed as long as they come to be prayed for. So if there are people trying to find fault with you, then that's going to stand in the way of you receiving because even they don't believe you qualify to receive. But this policy is in place and it's, it's founded on what Christ has done. Is any sick in the church? My prayer, my desire is that divine healing, the knowledge of divine healing will become so commonplace in the body of Christ that we will be healed and we will start putting signs outside our churches, say, come in to be prayed for for your healing every day between 5 and 7 p.m. And people just keep trooping in and getting healed and getting healed and getting healed and getting healed and getting saved in the process. That's God's will. But we've built so many defenses around this truth because of one failure of the other or because we know somebody that prayed for divine healing, didn't get healed, and we build our belief system around people's experiences rather than the truth of God's word and the policy for divine healing that God has put in place. And I just want to encourage us today. Divine healing is God's maintenance policy. He gave it to the children of, of Israel and is giving us something better, a guarantee of healing in the body of Christ. So, that's all we have time for today. I trust that we have learned one thing or two about divine healing. That is another addition to the foundation we are laying. And we trust God that as we build on it, we'll come to a place where this truth will become established in our hearts in Jesus' name. Thank you very much for listening. I'm Pastor Tende Odoma. Till next time, you are the healed of the Lord. Amen.